You're listening to an audio resource from Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado. We are joining God's mission, transforming all things, and you're invited. To learn more about us and how you can connect, please visit votr.church. And part of those plans, of course, have to do with 1213 Riverside, which is a building that I've been talking about about 10 minutes or so every Sunday before I preach. I'm going to continue doing that today because if you haven't heard, someone donated a 7,200-square-foot building to our church adjacent to our actual property. It's like right outside these doors, and now we are the proud owners of this new building, which is it's incredible. I, I talk with like church planning friends who would love a building, and I'm like, I know, we're kind of spoiled. Like We have three now. And one just got donated to us. I don't know actually how to tell you that story, but press through, it'll get better. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to tell my friends who are doing that, but we have this beautiful little triangle now. All three buildings look drastically different. We're going to be working on that in the future, trying to unify our campus together. But we have this wonderful triangle of properties, and we've been praying and asking God for a long time, what do you want us to do? And over the last few weeks, I've been sharing how We really feel like God's calling us to renovate that space and turn it into what we're going to be calling the Love Foco Resource Center, where collectively and with other nonprofits and a lot of volunteers from within this room, we'll be able to serve 1,500 families a month uh, with a comprehensive and a holistic care package where all under one roof they can get everything that they need to break the generational cycles of poverty, thrive this side of, of heaven, and experience an invitation to the life of our local church, and most importantly, the love of Jesus Christ. 1,500 families a month. And it's going to take a whole team to pull that off, right? I mean, I cannot and, and we cannot, just as a staff or as a church, do this alone. But thankfully, God is sending all kinds of people alongside of us to make these efforts, uh, to help our efforts move forward. And I want to highlight both some of the volunteers that are going to be uh, working on this project, as well as some of the hired help and professional help that's going to make the resource, the vision of the Resource Center a reality. I want to start by just acknowledging the church's board of directors, particularly Daryl Schunig, who's, who's been a huge help to me. I mean, these are, uh, these are a group of people that I report to. They keep me accountable, and I'm so grateful for their, um, for their accountability and leadership in my life. They're helping with contracts around the Love Focal Resource Center, financial preparations and transparency, They're making sure that also I get to continue to be a pastor instead of like a project coordinator and general contractor, which we're all really happy about because that would fail miserably and it just wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be good at all. Um, You know, last week I I talked about George who leading up our car care ministry. Of course, he's been doing that for years. We're just going to help prop him up and give him the resources he needs to serve more and more families. Doug Holbrook, who's in this room today, Doug, you can wave if you will. Doug was reading scripture actually. So Doug's over there. He's um, dedicated a large percentage. Yeah, we can applaud for Doug. That's good. Doug is, has had a unique place in the tech and corporate world of helping visions become a reality and kind of executing on those visions. And now he's going to be able to leverage everything he's learned in that world to help the Love Focal Resource Center come to life. And so thankful for Jeff Taylor and Debbie Barlin, two volunteers in our church as well, who are creating a grant writing team for our church. 
They are research and, and writing experts. They're finding all kinds of pockets of money that are out there in this world from family foundations and trusts and, and grant money, and they're both researching, researching the impact that the Love Foco Resource Center is going to have on our community and also the best ways that we can communicate that because it's going to cost a bit of money to renovate that space. If you've ever done anything with Fort Collins, you know there's quite a few permits and quite a few standards that you have to hit, and this is going to come as a shock to many of you, but none of our properties meet those current codes. And, and like a little snag in a nice shirt, once you pull that, there's a whole chain of events that has to take place, and they all have a price tag. And so, of course, we're going to launch a giving campaign here at this church next week. I'm excited to share all of that with you. Um, but also, there's opportunity to gain resources from outside of our church, and we're going to exhaust every opportunity that still aligns with our core values and what we want to do in this space. And I'm so excited to move that ball forward, Jeff, and Debbie are making a large part of that happen. And then when it comes to paid professional help, we have Airbnb architects and elder construction who are part of our team. And just a fun side note, the, one, of the, uh, one of the elders in elder construction actually met his wife at this church before they moved away to another community. Um, but it's just kind of fun, full circle. I mean, they, they met each other here and now they're working um, on this space in the future. And and I'm so thankful for both of those companies because, listen, I've spent way too much time learning about city codes and permitting and the requirements and process. If you ever want to have a two-hour conversation with me about, like, the trees to parking spot ratio that we don't meet or permeable concrete that has to be a part of this renovation or pedestrian and emergency vehicle access, I have too much information in my head to keep to myself. I would love to share it with you. And all of these things, they're like really important things, right? It's, it's what makes Fort Collins so wonderful and so beautiful. But again, once you start down this road, you realize we have to get caught up to speed a little bit. And all of those things will be addressed. They'll all be addressed. They all have a price tag. But the end result, the end result of all of this will be a campus that can be used not just in our generation, but for generations, It'll be a facility that will be hospitable to our guests and welcome them into the life of a local church, but introduce them to the love of Jesus as we present a hospitable space for all of our guests of honor in a place that doesn't feel like the leftovers, but it feels like the place that was designed just for our community. I'm so excited to share more and more about that, and it would be remiss if I didn't remind you again of a very important evening coming up on Wednesday called Vision Night. Wednesday, this room, 6.30 p.m. Remember this, Wednesday, this room, 6.30 p.m. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful night. And if I can dangle any carrot at all, it's that I have amazing drawings and conceptual reviews of what this space will look like. And at Vision Night, we're going to share all of those. And so you won't want to miss it. Listen, the projected cost and the, the projected impact of this space it's, it's, it's going to be an amazing journey to be on as a local church community. That lives changed and families impacted in the moment, but ones that have a trickle impact, right, and a trickle effect for generation and generation and generation. This is who we've always been at the Vineyard. We have always been about expressing the compassionate care of Jesus Christ to the world around us. And now we have 7,200 square feet of donated space to make that happen. And I'm so excited to be on that journey with all of you. Yeah. 
So again, let me remind you, come to Vision Night on Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. in this very room. Let's pray God's blessing on this space and his blessing on the word this morning. God, thank you again. We never want to stop thanking you for the miracles that we are experiencing as a faith community. Miracles like lives changed and transformed, salvations, baptisms, marriages, children surrendering their life to you. We thank you for all of these things, and we thank you that that impact and influence will only grow with the opening of this new space. And now we also turn our attention to your word, and we ask that you would speak to us this morning through your living and active word. God, inspire our hearts this morning about what it looks like to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are currently in a sermon series called Unsung Heroes. We've been learning from the lives in the Bible that maybe don't have a lot of scripture dedicated to these individual lives. They don't have elaborate stories that go on for chapters and chapters and chapters. And sometimes you hear about them once and never hear about them again. These unsung moments, however, they had incredible impact on the world around them. You think about your own daily life. Each one of us, we're all doing small things that have great impact. People around you are doing small things, unsung things with great impact. There are uh, even people in our lives, you probably are, are one of them, who are doing unsung actions over and over and over again without our society, without our family, without our best friends, even noticing it all. But if we stopped doing them, things would drastically change. One example I've been thinking about this last week because it was negative 20 degrees, was the sanitation workers in our community. Imagine if we didn't have the unsung heroes of the sanitation workers in our community. Last year, the Hollywood screenwriters went on strike. Do you remember this? I hardly remember it because all I do is watch reruns of The Office and Seinfeld and things like that and live sports. So it, it, it didn't really impact my life. But they went on strike and it was kind of like, oh, okay, but can you imagine if all the sanitation workers went on strike? I mean, in one week over Christmas, my garage was a mess. I can't imagine what would happen. I mean, life would change, right? And our society is filled with people who are unsung heroes, where if, we, if they no longer did what they always do, sight unseen, our lives would change. I'm talking about nurses and teachers and hospice workers, the unsung heroes of our culture. A, a couple months ago, Matt, our worship pastor, even said that he, he at one point in his life worked for a mortician which is probably quite unsung, I would imagine. He was assistant to the mortician, which I think means we can call him the assistant undertaker, right? Or the assistant to the undertaker. If you watch The Office, there's a couple. Just take a minute for that one to trickle in. I'm sure it was unsung. It was probably pretty weird too, but I'm sure it was unsung. But our life and our world, it's filled with unsung heroes doing unsung actions, and the beauty of the gospel is that as you open the word of God and as you begin to discover the story of God with his people, the kingdom is filled with unsung heroes also. The beauty of God's story is that as we do unsung things on earth, these stories are told in heaven for years and years and years to come. Every unsung action of your life is recorded in heaven. 
Every small moment of obedience or worship, generosity, prayer or service, even surrender, even if it feels unnoticed, even if no one knows what's happening in your life, every unsung moment of faithfulness is recorded in heaven forever. And today we're reading one of my favorite gospel stories. And today's heroes aren't just unsung, they're even unnamed. We can simply call them the friends. Today's passage retells a moment from the life of Jesus where our unsung heroes were so desperate and so hungry and so filled with faith that they stopped at nothing to present their friend before Jesus. They even dug through a roof so that their paralyzed friend could have an encounter with the living God. And we don't talk about the friends very often, and and rightfully so. The main part of the story is the forgiveness and the healing and the transformation that you get to experience with Jesus. But it all started with a few unsung friends, a few unsung heroes, knowing that Jesus had the power to completely change and transform lives. And through their desperation, they brought their friend to meet the Savior of the world. I'm not sure how you got here today. I'm not sure if someone invited you or if you were coerced by a a parent or a friend or if you were just driving by and you thought to yourself, you know what, if if I'm going to try a church, it's going to be the vineyard. It sounds more like a wine tasting event than a church anyway, so maybe I can kind of fit in there and maybe these are my kind of people, right? I don't know if you were invited or if you were coerced. But I want you to know that wherever you're at, the same promises that we're going to read about in this passage, they can be yours today. That through a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can also experience the forgiveness and the healing and the transformation that we're about to read about. These can be your promises today. And it starts by giving your life to Jesus. When you begin a relationship with Jesus, he promises to forgive you and to heal you. He promises you an eternity with him from this day forward. And if you've never started that relationship, later in our service, we're going to give you a chance to make that decision this morning. But for now, we're going to dig into Mark 2. We're going to look at this passage, and we're going to invite God to speak to us this morning. Mark 2, verse 1 through 12. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, "'My child, your sins are forgiven.'" But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this before. The main point 
isn't that we fall in love with the unnamed and unsung heroes of this passage, but that we're captured by the love of Jesus. The same healing and forgiveness we see in this scripture would mark your life, would mark our church's lives, would mark how we interact with the people that God's placed in our life around us. But during this series, in addition to being captivated by Jesus, we're also wanting to be inspired by some of these unsung heroes, some of these less talked about people in scripture. And when it comes to this text, we can learn a lot from the tenacity and the pursuit from these unsung friends. But just imagine this moment in history. Imagine this moment from the life of Jesus. Enter into the story a little bit this morning. Imagine being a disciple or one of the onlookers or maybe one of the friends. It says that news about Jesus spread so quickly and everyone wanted to be close to him. They all wanted proximity to Christ. And so they started rushing around him, filling in the house. And it didn't matter if it was the countryside or the city or little homes like this where he was staying for a short period of time. People were desperate to get close to Jesus. In this case, so many people were following and so many people were, for, were desperate for Jesus that the house got totally packed out. There wasn't any room inside at all. There wasn't any room in the doorway. People outside were pressing in to get closer. They, they just wanted to be within earshot. They didn't want to miss a single thing that Jesus might say or do. And then four friends show up with a paralyzed man. They were carrying him on a mat. But as they approached the house, it was too full for them to get inside. As they approached the house, it was too full for them to even get close. And no one's making way for them. No one's inviting them in. No one's creating space because they're all desperate to hear the words of Jesus too. Everyone's clamoring and pressing in so much so that it's tight, it's packed out. And it's cumbersome to carry a man on a mat with four people, right? It's not like a piggyback ride where you're just kind of taking up one and a half spaces and moving towards the house, it's four guys probably on the corners of a mat awkwardly carrying all of this weight off to the side or in front of them, and then you have to coordinate your steps together, and you better hope to God you're not the one that drops the corner and that guy falls off the mat. That's not a good look. That's not a good look for you. You don't want to be that guy. They finally get to the house, but it's too packed to get in, so what do they do? They climb to the roof. And they start digging and digging and digging through the top of the house. And somehow with ropes or some kind of contraption we're not aware of from Scripture, they lower their friend directly before Jesus, just hoping and praying that Jesus' compassion would exude from him and do something to change this man's life, something so awe-striking that everyone would be yet again captivated by the love and power of Jesus, something so captivating that maybe even the owner would forget that there's now a roof in his home or a hole in his, in his home. Every time I read this passage, I think about the owner. You're never told what's going on with the owner. He's not upset. He must, be, must have been just as captivated as anyone else. So I will say that houses and, and roofs back then, they're a bit different than they are today. Most houses today, there's a whole bunch of layers, right? It might start with asphalt shingles or wood shingles or maybe clay shingles if you're living in the Southwest. And underneath the roof, there's decking. Underneath the decking, there's sometimes fiberglass insulation and then drywall ceiling on top of that. I mean, it's layer upon layer upon layer. But don't transfer 
kind of our 21st century understanding of Ruth to this text. It was a bit different. A typical first century Palestinian home was much more basic. Most likely a a one-room structure, maybe a side room kind of off to the side, and it was small. It would have probably been the size of this stage or maybe even a little smaller. And because it was in a Mediterranean climate, they didn't have to struggle with all the same elements that we do today. So roofs, they looked a little different. Commonly, there would be branches kind of bound together, placed over some kind of earth, some kind of thatch, or maybe even similar to a sod house, but not quite that thick. And then occasionally, they would put tiles on top of those branches to weigh it down and create another layer of protection against the elements, but it's very, very different than it is today. It's a, it was a basic kind of structure. And then you have these friends. Friends who are so desperate that you read almost a a frantic response. But it wasn't frantic, it was faith. They trusted that if this man on the mat that they were carrying just met Jesus, just engaged with Jesus for one moment, his life could be totally and utterly changed forever. That Jesus would have compassion on him. And if there was anything that anyone could do, it needed to start and finish with Jesus Christ. And so they got on the roof. They somehow carried this man up the stairs. But remember, he was paralyzed. So you you have to like lay him down and and take care of him nicely so that you can use both of your hands to dig through the roof. I mean, it's going to take a bit of physical effort to get through the roof, even though it's more basic than our roofs today. And meanwhile, Jesus, it says in verse 2, that he's in the house teaching the word of God. He's preaching to everyone to a packed house. And at some point, after you dig long enough, stuff starts to happen in the room where Jesus is preaching. Sticks start to crumble and fall. Little pieces of dirt probably started to just kind of cascade down upon Jesus. And then eventually the hole gets big enough that sunlight comes through. And I, like, as a preacher, I often wonder, when did Jesus just stop and address the situation? <laughs> you're, you're kind of taught, like, don't address noise in the room unless it captures a whole room. I know, you know, every time a train comes by, one of those Fort Collins trains, and they blow like this, the entire side of this room definitely looks outside the window, and they're wondering, can you imagine what would happen if a hole got ripped through the roof and someone just started coming down? My hair started getting filled with dirt and sticks and twigs. We would have to address the situation. I mean, I wonder when Jesus did that. But the friends, here's the beautiful thing. The friends didn't care. They did not care. They didn't care about the damage. They didn't care about the destruction. They didn't care about the distraction or any other of the determined listeners that were there for Jesus. The only thing that occupied their minds was that they they had a friend in need and they knew a Savior who could fix it all. They did whatever it took to get their friend before Jesus. And because of their tenacity, they would have this story for the rest of their life. Their fingernails would have been caked with dirt. And over the coming days, as they were cleaning their hands and picking that dirt out of their fingernails, they would have been able to retell this story about how they literally dug through a roof with their friends so that this man could be healed, so that this man could experience the transformational love and power of Jesus Christ. They did whatever it took. And I love how Jesus responded. Forgiveness, healing, 
And in verse 5, it says that Jesus saw their faith, and he said, my child, your sins are forgiven. It says that Jesus saw their faith, not the faith of the paralytic, but the faith of the friends. He saw their faith. The faith of our unsung heroes. And maybe the guy on the mat had faith too. It doesn't explicitly say that. But it does say plainly in Scripture that in response to their faith, Jesus acted. You can bring people to Jesus because of your faith. Because of your faith. Your faith for your friends can move the heart of God. Your faith for your friends can move the heart of God. And some of us need to really wrestle with that this morning because sometimes we say no on behalf of others. We make excuses before we even try. We say things like, oh, they're not going to come. Or they won't respond. Or they don't have the same faith that I have. But of course they don't. That's why you're inviting them to have faith in Jesus. Because they don't have the same faith that you do. And the beauty of this story is that it's not the faith of the paralytic that moved the heart of God. It's the faith of the friends that made the difference. Your faith can move the heart of God on behalf of others, and your faith can open a door or a window or even tear through a roof so that people can experience the transforming love of Jesus Christ. As you look at this passage, there's all kinds of theology in this passage. There's all kinds of interesting things that we could talk about. But as we weave through this Unsung Hero series, there's one statement that I want to share with you this morning about being an unsung hero. And it's that you want to be the kind of friend who does whatever it takes to bring people to Jesus. Be the kind of friend who does whatever it takes to bring people to Jesus. Jesus. These friends had desperation and tenacity. They had ingenuity. They worked as a team and they had faith. And nothing was going to stop them from bringing the people they loved into relationship with the living God. I mean, it's quite freeing when you think about it, but you can't actually change anyone's heart. You can't change anyone's heart. You can't promise anyone eternal life. In your own power, you don't have enough power to heal anyone. But you can do whatever it takes to bring the people you love to Jesus because he can handle it all. He'll often move through you, but it's his power, not yours. It's his saving grace, not yours. It's his healing and forgiveness, not yours. And I can tell you the world and Fort Collins and your neighborhood and your school and your coworkers are desperate for friends like this. They are desperate for friends like this. And I know people send mixed messages all the time about their faith. Of course they do. I know people will tell you that they'll go to church all week long, and then strangely they'll ghost you and they won't respond to your texts on Saturday night. I know this to be true because it happens to me all the time too. I would say like 10% of the people I've ever tried to bring this church have actually come. But I'm going to keep going and keep asking and keep going and keep asking because I want to be a friend like this. I want to do whatever it takes to bring people into a relationship with Jesus. I know people will try to ignore your prayers. And if you keep praying and keep asking and keep praying, they might even think you're a little bit weird. But who cares? 
Who cares, honestly, if they come to know Jesus and their life is transformed this side of heaven and then for eternity forevermore, any sense of discomfort that you once had by being labeled a Christian or being the prayer person or the inviter in your group, all of that will be washed away because that person will have an eternal relationship with Jesus. And all of those times you planted seeds and all those times you invited and all those times you stuck your neck out and were mocked or ridiculed or teased or whatever it might be, all of it will be worth it because someone will have a transforming relationship with Jesus. And like these friends, you'll have a story for the rest of your life too. I heard a Christian leader once say, he said, I'll do anything short of sin to bring someone to Jesus. I'll do anything short of sin to bring someone to Jesus. Anything short of sin. I'll show up to something that I don't want to go to. I'll serve when I'd rather relax. I'll let your kids spend the night at my house and I'll feed them all kinds of amazing snacks so that I can take them to church with me the next day. I'll play golf with you. I won't let you beat me. You're going to have to earn, listen, you're going to have to earn that W, okay? But I will play golf with you if it means that I get to talk with you about how Jesus has changed my life and how I believe he could change yours. Right? These are the kinds of friends that we want to be, right? That we'll go out of our way to share the testimony of Jesus Christ with the world. I'll do anything short of sin to bring people to Jesus. And I realize there's all kinds of important things to think about, like timing and availability and chemistry and all of that. That's real. It's important stuff to think about. But oftentimes, we overthink our action. We overthink ourselves out of action. We overthink an invite. We overthink a sharing a testimony or a lunch or a coffee or a moment to pray with someone. We overthink those things and then we actually fail to step forward and step out in faith. But these friends were desperate enough to move beyond any kind of discomfort they might experience, knowing and trusting that Jesus was going to do all the hard work anyway. The world needs friends like this. As I close, I'm going to share with you one of my personal prayers that you can adopt as your own if you want. And it's simply, Jesus, give me the same kind of love that you have for everyone around me. Give me the same kind of love that you have for everyone around me. That kind of love moves me to action. That kind of love means I don't stay silent. That kind of love compels me to move forward. And, and here's the thing, I'm keenly aware I don't have that kind of love. I need more of his love in my life. I want more of it. I want to be desperate like these friends were desperate. I want to be tenacious and filled with faith just like these guys were. And I need the help of Jesus to get there. May God increase my love for others. May he increase your love for others. Lord, give it to our church. May we have the same kind of love that you have for the world around us. The world needs friends like this. And I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that you can be a friend like this too. That you can be a friend that writes eternal stories by the power of Jesus Christ. And like this story, it, it probably takes desperation. So pray that God would grow yours. Pray that he would grow your ingenuity. In this passage, it took teamwork also. It might take you and a few friends to bless the people in your life. Pray for that. And pray for faith because, again, Jesus responded to the faith of the friends. I know we can be friends like this. I mean, truthfully, I, 
I think the word for some of us this morning is that we need to be done with the limitations that we place on what God can do with the people that we love. We need to be done with those limitations because if we put our faith into action, Jesus will do immeasurably more than we could ever ask for or imagine. And you might be unsung for a moment this side of eternity, but that story will be told over and over and over again in heaven because everyone needs an unsung friend. Everyone needs someone who's willing to do whatever it takes to bring them into the presence of the living God. May I, may you, may we be friends like this. Let's pray together.